I'm doing a podcast. One one of those podcast things. No, it's with uh, it's Roger. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, he's good as gold. Good as gold. Now, oh, I would love a cuppa. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No. Oh, not too. Uh, lovely. Thank you. Great. I'll get on with it then. All right. See you. Cheers, love. Cheers. That was a fully improvised introduction to episode, and you wouldn't know it, to episode 63 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other, uh, I don't know, post-war baby boomers as, um, that's a terrible, actually, that's a terrible <laughs> one, um, for, uh, as masterpieces. Um, I am Nick, and I am joined as ever by the good as gold, Roger. Hello, and I think we probably need a bit of a disclaimer on this. Yes. I think the the only flag I can put up on iTunes is explicit, and that means basically anything from a bit sweary upwards. So it's set on this podcast already. But, you know, this, <laughs> th- this episode may well not be something you want to listen to where random passers-by can, can overhear it. it. It is going to involve talking about abortion. We are both medical professionals. We yeah, are perhaps we less will... squeamish than, than the average... Uh, yeah, anyway. We will talk a little bit about no, the procedure, or at least I, as I'm saying this before we're recording it. I mean, we, but it, it's, the subject isn't going to come up at any rate, so. It, it is about abortion, and, um, not a squeamish look at it, so. Um, so that's some, uh, spoilers for the film, but yes, you might want to skip to a, a funnier episode. Um, this is, uh, we are following our sequential, uh, journey through towards the present day with Masterpieces. We have reached 2000 and Four, um, and this is our first Mike Lee film. We are discussing Vera Drake, um, his uh, story of a um, backstreet abortionist in post-war Britain. Um, and we all know uh, 1950s Britain is my absolute favourite milieu. It's the very opposite of depressing. I, I think you can never have too much brown. So. I'm, I'm always happy to revisit this. Yeah, it was very uh, the the style and the um, feel of it are very different from Dance with a Stranger. Yes, uh, which is set a few years later, of course. But there's that same feeling. Not not only everything is brown, but <laughs> there is a certain amount of well, the world has gone to pot. We're just going to do the best we can with it. Just have a cup of tea, love. That'll make it all better. The, the cup of tea is the the one shining light in every character's lives in, in Vera Drake. I, th- I think it's fair to say that the people here are a lot warmer and more realistic than they are in Dance with a Stranger. I, I think that's very noticeable. I mean, it's very noticeable very early on. So Mike Lee is a di- director who has this famous... Um, acting style that has big names kind of uh, or big British names I suppose um, queuing up to work with him because he has this he doesn't improvise on screen or he doesn't get a character to improvise on screen but they basically improvise the whole plot based on plot beats um, that that develop during the, the kind of pre-production and, and to create this very naturalistic style. Um, the, the impression, I guess, is that he will quite often run through a scene a few times, and if the actors start saying, well, no, I think I'd say that instead of this, then he's yes. quite happy with it, a bit before they get to the point of actually having a camera rolling. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so so a lot of it comes from the actors. Um, uh, yeah, and it, and it shows here. I mean, these are all... I think it's fair to say, I mean, these are all very 
good actors giving very good performances. I mean, I, I there, don't there are some the huge names, though they're not always terribly recognisable. Uh, well, we have, of course, Jim Broadbent, who is uh, contractually obliged to appear in every, every British film since uh, <laughs> 1979, I suspect. Um, but yeah, we have um, Imelda Staunton, who is going to grace our screen soon as the new uh, Elizabeth in the latest series of The Crown. Um, uh, we... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's um, interesting. She, she's a name I, I often think very positively of. Uh, I haven't actually seen that many things she's been in, but whenever she is in a thing, she does it impressively to me. And she did a lot yes. of voice work, actually, a few years before this, um, various, you know, Agatha Christie audio adaptations, that kind of thing. Uh, not, oh, okay. As you, what? You, as Miss Marple? No, no, no. That, that was... Um, oh, I know. Joan Whitfield. Yeah, right? uh, but but she's she's uh, got a couple of bit parts, and and she's always oh yeah, th- this this is somebody who is actually inhabiting the part. Rather, I have a feeling than, that you know, maybe just reading com- the lines. My my I I I may be completely wrong. I have a feeling she and I may be mixing her up with Julie Walters here. Um, that she sort of started in comedy, but she's one of those actors. Um, who actually is, as as with a lot of comedians, is turns out to be a very good actor, so gravitated eventually towards drama. Could uh, be totally I, wrong. There. I don't know about that. I mean, she certainly did a lot of actual theatre before, okay, before she enough. started working in film. Uh, and and that does do a lot of good, I think, for what we what we regard as acting. Yes, and it, it's all, well, it's very, I mean, there are different styles of acting, and that we had, I mean, we just off the back of talking about Primer, which has um, a very naturalistic style, I mean, it's different On, on the basis of, of, guys, just ignore the cameras and do the thing, yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> and that, I mean, that works brilliantly, I mean, it's completely different to these people, but that's because, you know, they're Californian uh, or Texan techies, um, and these are you know, post-war working-class 1950s people, so it's quite right. There shouldn't be a lot of similarities between them. But the acting is, or, or the dialogue particularly, is often... I, I mean, the dialogue here is often bland to the point of tedium, um, which, uh, you know... Which is between... which is realistic in its own yes. right. I, oh, I, yeah, I couldn't I'll... help notice, OK, we're back to, you know, two-hour film... <laughs> yeah, uh, well, well, I guess we can talk about it. So the plot summary here is we have Vera Drake, who is this incredibly warm-hearted... Does nice things for everybody. Does nice things for everyone and helps out young girls who've got themselves into trouble uh, without her family knowing, and uh, by which she performs backstreet abortions. Um, and this, I suppose... Well, centre... Even that is quite a loaded term. She seems to be doing it mostly in their rooms, that being the only well, private space I, they've got. I do want to talk about that because it, it does... Um, uh, the, the procedure, I feel, is made to look... Borderline benign here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm not pretty because, you know, as a medical, you know, we don't, uh, and, and again, as a vet, frankly, uh, uh, we don't perform that kind of procedure, but I am aware of some of the, uh, the things involved that I do not believe would look as, um, painless or as simple as they, as they are here. Yeah. And w- uh, without going into details, it's, you know, 15 or 20 seconds of getting things in place. Yeah. And may- maybe a little discomfort here and there, but that's basically it. And then it, it is stated, though never shown, and that's not a problem, that, you know, a day later there will be a miscarriage. Yes, basically. And it, and it's something that is 
so benign that it's kind of performed in in one instant, sort of in a kitchen or a, a pantry with the husband next door without without them knowing, um, without the husband knowing, and it's just um, very quickly and efficiently done. Uh, and while uh, there are some, particularly the uh, the writer of um, called the midwife, uh, who uh, I, I, whose name I forget, I'm afraid, but she was a midwife in the uh, 50s to the 70s, um, and her objection to the particular way abortion is performed here is that she said it's invariably fatal. Now, I don't. This is she, not true. Yeah, <laughs> there I mean, are people she, she, who had it done to them who are still alive. Well, she's seeing. I <laughs> they, guess they don't like, talk about it much for the obvious ones reasons. That she but... saw would be ones that have gone wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the very nature of her job, and so I think she had a pretty unusual selection of that. But also, she talks about getting things in place. Frankly, medically, is against a closed cervix, and that's not something that is as easy as displayed here yeah um, it, it uh, would be hard to learn and i suspect really quite painful in a lot of cases even if done by somebody who knew what they were talking about i think so and the, the other thing is that sterile practice is absolutely crucial because sepsis is it was a very common outcome we don't have numbers we'd have no idea how many of these things were done but it was yes. not an unusual thing for a pathologist to see sepsis as a result of an attempted abortion. Uh, well, Keith, without... Simpson, Keith Simpson, um, great forensic pathologist, uh, old guard conservative in many ways. I mean, his, <laughs> his view on male homosexuality was, well, why can't they just not do that and everything would be all right? <laughs> um, uh, but okay. even he was largely in favour of legalising abortion, even in the 30s, because yes. he saw the results of it. Well, I mean, what you're effectively doing is injecting bacteria into uh, the uterus. Well, which is going to um, give you... a, a toxic substance, it's, it's detergent, carbolic, that kind of thing. Well, I suppose without good uh, sterile procedure, yeah. what I mean is you're, you're yeah. bypassing a huge part of the immune system and injecting them straight into a uh, an area of the body which isn't well covered by the immune system for fairly good reasons. And that, um, that can definitely have some very adverse outcomes. But it, so it's suggested in the film that uh, she's performed hundreds and hundreds of these procedures, and only one, to her knowledge, has ever gone wrong. And this hmm. is the one that gets her found out. Now uh, it is left open in the film that you know how would she know? If yeah, they, she, if she isn't exactly doing a follow up. No, exactly. So it, it's fair enough. But that's that's. Uh, I I did struggle with that a bit because I I, I worry because in the, I mean we're dancing around it a little bit, but in the film it's it's sort of. Uh, yeah, it's, it's almost like an instruction of how to do it, and and that's where I get concerned that, you know, if you're desperate, you might try this, and it's it's not. Uh, again, I'm not suggesting maybe you would, but it's 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 laid out enough in the film that you know exactly the equipment you need, um, and where you put the tubing. And yeah, the, this is that. not this is not good medical advice. I mean, in yeah. England these yeah. days. Um, it's not on demand in theory, but it is in practice. Basically, if if you, uh, well, we'll come back to this. Um, the the current rule is if there is risk of injury to the physical or mental health of the pregnant woman, yes, then an abortion can be authorised on that basis. Um, so yeah, in England right now, there shouldn't yes. be a need for people to do this. There are there are um, ways of getting to a doctor without. Parents, husbands, whatever, finding out. It's, yeah, that's I mean, not the case some... everywhere. Even everywhere, we may have listeners. So you know. Well, unfortunately, we are uh, recording this podcast in the context of Rovers, Rovers Sway being rescinded in um, 
uh, by the Supreme Court in America. But, um, uh, I, well, and again, I, I wouldn't leave my personal opinions out of it, even though I probably just displayed. But um, I, I do think, yes, it, it, it would be more helpful for the film to show that it is a... It does show that it's a dangerous procedure, um, but perhaps it could have either just glossed over it a bit more or made to show it a bit more dangerous and a bit more difficult than is performed here. And and I think partly the film would struggle a bit with that because uh, Vera Drake is um, portrayed as this extremely saintly figure, Mm. really. And and I think anything that would tarnish that would make the film work less well. Yes, I agree. I I, I think that's why we have the subplot about how she doesn't take any money for it. Yes. Even though uh, you know, she is completely unaware that the woman she knows, the black marketeer who is arranging these things, is taking money for it. It's, yes, and um, she's but, but she doesn't. She does not profit by it. Uh, she, she's she's a ni- nice middle-aged woman who who doesn't cause any any pain or harm to anybody. Yes, and I think that's why they sanitise it a bit. Um, so having and a bit like with um, uh, as we did with. Um, uh, oh goodness me! That lost in translation. Mm. Uh, I'll I'll sort of note that objection, and then probably best to move on from it to to talk about the rest of the film. Um, uh, and yeah, so uh, again, the plot follows Vera as she has. Um, uh, well, the centerpiece of the film basically is a a celebration because her daughter's got engaged, um, mm. and then the police turn up at the door. And utter bombshell goes off in the family, none of whom were aware of what Vera's been doing. Um, and just the the transition from this uh, benign, fairly jolly party to the police are here and they've taken mum away. Yeah, I mean... And we don't know why. It, it's not quite as blatant as it might be. I mean, they're not bursting in and saying, we are arresting you for this. No. Um, yeah, the, the the information has to trickle out to the family later, but it but it's still, you know, yes, we we will have the the best possible moment going straight to the worst possible moment. Yes, uh, I, yeah. I, I believe the term is smell, smells of the lamp. It feels as if it's, oh, yeah. Obviously, it is an artificial story. Any story is an artificial yes. story, but it feels artificial, and it shouldn't. I uh, well, so I gather as part of the improvisational process, uh, the characters who signed on weren't aware this was an abortion film. Except um, for Staunton herself, yeah. Except for Staunton herself, but they signed on because of Mike Lee's reputation. I, uh, to me, that's given the delicacy of the subject matter. is It's borderline malpractice, I suppose. <laughs> if you've signed a contract and then you find out it's about something that you are very conflicted about, that's difficult. But the idea was, uh, not at the time of filming, this all happened pre-production and in rehearsal but when the police turned up i gather they were rehearsing the party scene and they weren't expecting the what was about to happen um yeah uh, so we could get genuine reactions uh, and a genuine um uh, shock um much as uh, they weren't expecting the alien to burst out of john hurt's chest <laughs> in alien a similar thing um well I, I, I do I, feel the point of the piece is much less about here is an abortionist than it is about how do people react when the secret comes out. Yes, and I think um, that I mean the film almost works without. You can almost separate the abortion aspect from that um, in the sense that it could be any secret. That the film, as you say, is about this 
apparently benign woman having this incredible secret and how do the family do they rally round her do they trust her are they angry with her and and we see the reactions of all the different characters in very believable well played ways mm. i mean we have um, the husband um sorry i don't have the actors uh, names to hand uh, here but the husband um uh, it's been made clear that we have a, a loving relationship here and yeah. they still enjoy each other's company um but he uh, i mean his reaction is uh, Phil really Drake is Stan Drake yes yeah and he's uh, I, i've seen him in a number of other films as well but he's um again he's really good here you know he's immediately loyal and caring but then we get some scenes later on that show he's genuinely shocked and upset hmm. but he's never going to let that get in the way of supporting his wife which I think is a nice nuanced, interesting take in it. and and when he's expressing that to his son who is just horrified probably, I mean the other it's not quite explicit as a subplot but her son is the kind of Lothario who probably has got some girls into trouble or if not him then some of his mates um, mm. and, and probably never gave it another thought um, uh, again I'm not suggesting he's uh, against their will or anything like that, but he, he may have um, been less than careful about his his behaviour in the past. Yeah, because uh, that's just what you do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because he's this uh, um, a spiv character, I suppose. Um, a, no, he's, he's much more. Well, no, he is. It. <laughs> he's dealing in black market stuff and, and the, off the back of it. We have um, is it Eddie Marsden's character? This gloriously uh, Marsden, yeah. As he must, I, I just, I think he was my favourite character in the film. He's this incredibly doleful, shy, uh, sad sack, I suppose, who who whisks this. Uh, the the film got some criticism because um, him and uh, Vera Drake's daughter sort of quite res- quite closely resemble a couple in the Glums, a cartoon of the time. Um, I I did for me. He was almost a parody of fifties misery. In mm. that they have the most miserable Christmas I've ever seen on screen ever <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and he tops it off by saying, "Oh, it's the best Christmas I've ever had." Stan smashing thanks, Vera. And it just—I <laughs> was, I mean, it was completely deadpan. It, I don't know if it was meant as comedy or not, but I just found it just a, a breath of of light in this very dark place. Well, I met an old bloke who said. Cheer up, it could give you worse. And I saw I cheered up, and sure enough, it got worse. <laughs> it's Well, that that ties in, as, as you said at the outset, these are very warm, believable characters. Um, uh, but the aesthetic I struggle at, and as I said in Stranger Things, it's just not a fun place to be, 50s UK mm. rationing. Uh, and this is much closer to the war. I mean, I think this uh, is uh, early fifties. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, well, I, I don't think there was anything in in the uh, film itself, but uh, I, I read that it is meant to be set in nineteen fifty. Right. Well, you get the strong impression the war is fresh in everyone's memory, mm. and well, quite quite a few of the youngish men talk about their experiences, which is yes, and that that is of course uh, an effective example of uh, opening up because this is not a thing you talk about normally. Yes. So. But they shared this experience, yeah, and, and even then they're very cautious and coy about it. Um, I, I, as I say, that the dialogue is very... Ugh. I mean, I think neither of us are particularly fans of, you know, kitchen sink dramas and those kind of 50s black and white um, uh, 
uh, I do like Billy Liar, I suppose, but of that ilk, I, I find it a bit too miserable and depressing. And and here it is, I, it's sort of deliberately aping that, or it feels very similar, but I, I find the characters interesting enough that I enjoy it. Um, I do find it a depressing place to live. Um, I'm just reminded of a uh, punch cartoon from, from the uh, early 60s, uh, a side view of a theatre, and, you know, in, in, in the... Uh auditorium you've got all, all these people in the, in their jewels and fur coats and so on and on the stage you got the peeling paper the baby in the sink the bare <laughs> light bulb <laughs> yeah 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 well i mean we do get a glance uh, a glance at the middle classes well yeah the subplot yeah which is it, it's really a parallel plot because because it, it it only links in that one of vera's jobs is as a cleaner and she yes. happens to be nearby when when this is happening. But yeah, so we 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 meet Susan, and Susan yeah. is a nice girl, and um, yeah, she. Well, this is the thing. It, it's as I was saying before, it's heavy handed because there is yeah. no possible blaming her, and it's carefully set up so that there isn't. You know, she's gone out it's with the fellow with her parents' approval. Yes, um, he has clearly raped her. Yes, yeah, you. Anybody who would say, "Oh well, she shouldn't have done that," has has a lot to overcome because she has not done anything that her society is saying that she shouldn't have done. Um, well, I think that is helpful. I mean, it is a delicate subject, and it. I just, I'm sure it's deliberate to some extent that although the characters' reactions are nuanced, the situations, you're right, are not. Vera's a very uh, she's a hard character to dislike, despite what she's doing. And Susan here is, uh, I mean, she's quite. Victimy, mm. <laughs> um, if if we can say that, uh, and I, don't, you know, this these are situations that have occurred um, throughout history. Though I don't know that the benign abortionist I have slight trouble with, but certainly Susan is not a character, a, an unbelievable character. But as you say, it goes out of its way to, uh, yeah, make her sympathetic. And her her outcome is basically well, all right. You know, if you do if you do have a certain amount of money and connections, and you don't have the family completely messing you about, then yeah, this can be done. There there is even uh, under the Infant Life Preservation Act 1929, which is the law in force at this point, um, a provision for the mental health of the mother if things are early enough. Well, I guess this is why she goes through this psychiatrist and, and is kind of uh, led towards answering questions that suggest she was a suicide risk. And yeah, the, and these these are these are the things you need to say in order to get the thing you want, yeah, which is, yes. sa- sadly, yes. continues to be the case in various sorts of medicine now. Yes. But uh, the, the as you say, the heavy-handed implication is that the middle classes have got a way out of this uh, that the working class haven't, and it's not an implication. I mean, it's it was the case. It's just mm. it's just the way it is. It just it feels a bit um, blunt. It also touches on um, something, and I don't know how pervasive this is. Is my in Mike Lee's films, but you know, it seems to be working class equates to good-hearted, warm, caring mm. uh, family, middle class and above, uh, cold, <laughs> uncaring. Um, Every apart from Susan, every other non-working class character appears. Here, well, there's there. a, there's her friend. Yeah, but even she has a certain kind of chilly aloofness. I mm, would say. I suppose. Um, yeah. But, and you, uh, you can't really call it socialist realist, but that's the way I keep thinking in this. 
<laughs> well, it feels a bit simplistic to me. I mean, there are, uh, you know, I come from a middle class family, though my mum would be horrified to hear me say that. She insists on calling herself working class, despite being a teacher married to a university lecturer. Um, but there we are. Uh, yeah, and my, and my parents were doctors, so. Um, but, you know, it was a warm, loving family, and I've known uh, working class uh, families that weren't necessarily mm. warm and loving and good-hearted and so it uh, it all feels a little i suppose that's what i mean the situations all feel rather simplistic um you know even the copper um is kind of not unsympathetic to vera um, yeah though, though by the time they get to the legal system proper it's, it's all about making it sound as bad as possible well, exa- yeah yeah which is um uh, and again, then we have the middle upper class judge who is, uh, has no interest in what Jim Broadbent. Yeah, and this is where Jim Broadbent comes back. In a very, uh, well, I don't know, he's, he's got very wide range, Jim Broadbent, but, but here he's playing a, uh, a, a, uh, unsympathetic judge. Um, so yeah, I mean, we have all these, uh, uh all these long drawn out conversations all the way through that are sort of spiraling round the plot and it, I, mm. I, I think a consequence of Mike Lee's style uh, and I can't speak to I have seen some other Mike Lee stuff but a lot I think I saw Secrets and Lies a long time ago um, yeah I don't think I have seen any of his other stuff I, I feel like a consequence uh, or, or it certainly feels like it here is the plot feels mm, not so much meandering but just sort of circling very slowly to, towards the point. Well, the actual plot, you could sum up in a sentence, you know, abortionist gets caught. Yes, goes to prison, yeah. Um, um, and uh, I, I think, is. yeah, there, there isn't a lot of narrative tension. Um, no. Because, I mean, apart from anything else, there isn't really any foreshadowing about her getting caught. Um, no. it, it's not suggested that this, this is an especially legally dangerous thing. That the, the um, her patients are much more worried about you know, husbands, boyfriends, fathers finding out. Yes, that, I guess there is some slight suggestion. It's not really. There's a bit of a Chekhov's gun when she does the abortion that goes wrong. You know, hmm. the mum says, "Oh, Vera Drake, you're Vera Drake, aren't you?" But I mean, it's not. As you say, it's not very heavy foreshadowing, but you get the impression this one is slightly different. Um, yeah, but it's not—it's not huge. And as, yeah, the plot is very the, the 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 story is all about the characters and their reaction to each other. And I think ultimately, as you say, it, it's not really all the 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 abortion stuff is uh, one to me feels a little medical medically uh, questionable. And two uh, is a bit heavy-handed, but again, that may be because um, we both already have our opinions on it. A bit like we did with traffic. Well, and we don't need the, yeah, to be told. The, the most annoying polemics are the ones that I already agree with. <laughs> yes, and so it may be why we both feel like, okay, well, I, I knew that already, and I don't need to. Uh, but the, re- the real story and the real kind of meat of it is, Mum has done something wrong. Um, how are we going to react to it as a family? And uh, and that mostly the point. answer is quite poorly, but it, 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 <laughs> that, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it is in different ways in accordance with these people's separate personalities. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you know, to watch that. Yeah, you, you could say the same thing if it turned out, you know, mum has been subtly on the game or mum has been, yes. um, you, know, do, do, you know, running a phone sex operation or, you know, anything. Yeah, or 
M- yes, Mum has, yeah. Mum has been going to uh, dubious terrorist meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, I mean, I suppose this one is the one where they... Uh, and there are some of those, again, that would be the same, but this is the one that Vera remains sympathetic. You know, she's not taking money. Um, and so that should make it easier for the characters to react uh, but still, you know, some are horrified, most are horrified. Um, the, the impression I get is that most of them already have a box in which they have put their uncomfortable thoughts about abortion and they just react based on what's already in that box rather than, hang on, this is mum doing it, at least to start with. Yeah, and, and what they're confronted with is, oh, this is mum doing it. But I do like the tension of... I like that, as you say. Um, you don't find out. I mean, we know what's happening, but the the family are left in the dark and left worrying and confused for a day or two. Mm. Um, and we see a lot of those conversations. Um, uh, and I I like the slow building tension. I mean, I was yeah, that that reaction. part I actually liked a lot better. Yes, yeah, I, I found it riveting to riveting is perhaps a bit strong, but I certainly found it very watchable um, in those moments. I, I enjoyed, um, you know, her, uh, the brother is a, uh, or uh, Vera's uh, brother-in-law is, um, is, a, is a sort of an interesting character. He's sort of married, he's done well for himself with his mechanic business and he's married this, uh, again, it's it, he's married to this, I, I think, probably working class woman but who has pretensions to be middle class mm. or at least uh, yeah. and that is you know uh, a big sin in sort of the 50s I suppose having you know wanting to be better than you are um, but I felt that was a little heavy handed too that she was um, this uh, yeah someone who wanted to uh, uh, to be a social climber he women are materialistic no, yeah. to, to be fair, at least we meet a lot of women in this, and she's not, she's pretty much the only one who is. So that's, that's yes, something. exactly. But I but I agree. She's she felt like the characters all feel a bit stereotyped. Um, I, I wonder if that's a, a result of the improvisation thing. I mean, you you give somebody a basic um, approach to fill in themselves, and maybe they don't. You know, they'll, they'll fill it in to the extent of these are the right things to say, but maybe maybe not to the extent of and here is the backstory as well. Well, I mean, I, uh, uh, well, we play role-playing games a lot together, and certainly that is my technique for role-playing, is to aim for the nearest cliché. <laughs> um, yeah, some, so... somebody recently wrote that, uh, I can't remember where this was, uh, that the level of subtlety and characterization you should aim for in an NPC is pro-wrestling. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, to, to clarify, the Vera Drake level of acting is is not pro wrestling level. Yeah. But, uh, but but I, but one of the things I, I like in a role playing game is being able to say, well, yeah, all right, but this is what this person actually wants. Yes. And what what you meet them doing is a small part of that, and this is why they want it. And so so when the, when the party does something unexpected, I'm not completely flawed by it because I, yes. I I know what their big goals are as well and I, I do think that's missing a bit here yeah that, yeah that they're well acted interesting realistic characters and I suppose you know to a first approximation real human beings are cliched to some extent you know we do all think down lines that you can uh, we like we probably like to think of ourselves as more complex than we are I suspect that's probably true, or uh, maybe that's true of other. Uh, you tend to think other people are perhaps deeper than they are, but this is the realization I, 
there, there, there is a, a certain amount of evidence that consciousness is actually a trick played by the brain on itself. So sort of a side effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, I. I think looking at the evidence, that's probably true. But I also feel, I don't know, if we're going to talk ourselves out of our own existence, perhaps we need to reconsider um, how we I do we not think, philosophy. therefore... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm, mm. Well, that, that was a, a segue, but... Um, uh... Actually, to be fair, there's another thing that I don't know if this is Lee's style in general or part of the thing, but I did find it... Compared with a lot of the other films we've seen recently, ferociously unglamorous. Yes. You know, no, no, nobody here looks like a film star. Yes. Um, I mean, that includes uh, Master and Commander, where, you know, uh, I, I mean, of course, we have uh, Russell Crowe in there, um, and Paul Bettany, but a lot of the extras were hired because they looked very un film story and looked like they belonged on a ship in the age of sail but here yes everyone looks kind of not only do they not look like film stars they for the most part look uh glum and downcast yeah. and, and, and and a bit uh except for the the son you know, the very he is the closest thing we have to glamorous here he's no ruth ellis um but he's the closest thing we have to glamorous <laughs> um he's a tailor uh, I, I, for a long film, actually, I, I do feel there were a few scenes that were unnecessary. We got a fairly, or it felt long. We have a, a, a mm. reasonable length scene of him measuring up a potential customer, played by Chris O'Dowd, most famous for the It Crowd, I believe. Um, but it felt a little bit like, I'm not sure we learned a great deal more about him, uh, or, uh, and similarly, we have a, a. I thought maybe that there's a scene of him at a dance as well, which is mm. where I draw a lot of my conclusions about. Well, he's the sort of guy who maybe gets women into trouble. Um, so I, I could sort of justify that scene, I mm. suppose. But again, it didn't feel particularly necessary. And this is a film that's two. Was it two and a quarter hours? Uh, something like that. Yeah. And while it didn't drag, for me, it does feel like it's over two hours long. Um, it, mm. it didn't, I didn't. Yeah, some directors can, can manage to make it whiz past. Um, yes, but Lee doesn't here. I'm also thinking of somebody like Imelda Staunton, who's uh, 48 when this comes out, so probably about 47 when it's being filmed. She okay. can look glamorous when she wants to. Oh yeah, and she's she doing the exact opposite here. She's doing very uh, unglamorous acting. I, I mean, uh, we have the slight problem that Vera Drake kind of her character sort of dissolves into a sobbing mess for basically the second half of the mm. film and we get very little intelligible from her which is very believable yeah i mean you, you not... can see with a different director you you could get a great big courtroom speech about how this is a necessary thing and i did it to help them and so on yeah and but she obviously no. feels that way but she isn't the sort of person who would make that speech so she doesn't no i, I do love the and it's never quite spelled out, but the, the, the fairly obvious implication that the reason she does it is because she was helped out in that way by someone who was kind to her. In it, or mm. maybe it's never clear. Maybe she had an awful experience and wanted to make sure no one had an experience like that. But I, I like that that is a bit left to be filled in. Yeah. Um, and also, it's pretty clear if that happened. The husband either wasn't involved or didn't know anything about it. Um, although maybe he did, again. Well, we, we, we do get a, a lot of short explanations of why somebody would want an abortion, even if, you know, there weren't an immediate medical risk involved. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that it's a particularly nuanced look at abortion. 
Um, it, it's it, it's very one sided. I mean, it's a side, it, I mean, as, it, as we say, it's the side I happen to agree with. But yes, but it's, that, that it's doesn't mean I don't. In, yeah. Well, yeah, I feel it's presented in such a sort of glowing light, and the punishment. Well, no, glowing is wrong, but it's presented in the most benign way possible. You know, these people aren't. I I don't know if a you know I do believe Susans existed and were put in that very difficult position. I don't know if a Vera Drake actually existed. I, I was thinking while I was watching it, it might have been interesting to make it about an actual abortionist. Yeah. But, I mean, A, you'd have certain times of trouble getting people to admit to it. Both the people who did it and even the people who had it done to them really didn't want to talk about it because of the, you know, obviously so, both social and legal implications. Yes. Um, which is fair enough. Um we but, do get a brief indication that Vera is slightly atypical amongst abortionists in that she meets another couple in prison towards the end uh, in her sort of last um, uh, kind of scene where she is able to talk to people. Hmm. And they are kind of presented as more uh, mercenary, um, not entirely, but not quite like the saintly Vera. Yeah, though I, I think what I also got from that scene is... Yeah, she she perhaps hasn't really decided what her future is going to be like, but yeah. but at that point, I I I cannot see her doing anything other than taking it up again when she gets out. She did. There's just uh, something inside her that makes her feel like that. But also, yeah, at that point, she's learned. Yeah, you can survive a prison sentence. Yes, exactly. So. And, and so they are. They're either different to Vera or they're Vera after a couple of prison sentences and, and have toughened mm. up a little bit. Yeah. So the the take on abortion, uh, as you say, we agree with. Um, it happens to be the side we agree on, but it's not. It's not a debate here. This is hammering home what it thinks about abortion and what it thinks about how people were treated. Uh, yeah, um, the the bits I enjoyed of this were were very much, as we've said, the the reactions of everybody else to this. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, but that can only sustain you so far through fifties <laughs> fifties Britain. Um, so I didn't find it a hard watch, and the characters were warmer. But uh, I can't say I'd be in a hurry to watch it again. Well, I've got forty thousand gallons of watered-down brown paint here. Where do you want it? <laughs> yeah, it's a depressing milieu. Um, it's a depressing story, ultimately. You know, it's not going to sort of end. Well, except that I suppose you know at the other end of a prison sentence, she will have her family there to support her, mm. but it's also going to lead to a lot more awkward Christmases and awkward <laughs> silences, and oh, which I don't know, that to me, that's almost having been to family events with awkward silence, uh, 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 that's more unbearable to me than, <laughs> than the brown paint to some extent. It's almost realistic enough that I, I find it. Not too hard to watch, but just, oh, I've been there, and it's uh, just listening to the clock ticking and waiting. Yeah, I mean, I I could picture myself watching it again, but very clearly it's not one I'd watch just for fun. No, no, but also I don't think it has a ton of uh, educational... Well, it's it's more, I'd I'd watch it for the specific performances, I think. Yeah, I I think that is that the performances are... A huge highlight, and and as for, insofar as how much that's to do with Mike Lee's directing style, I think it works really well because it does feel very naturalistic and very real mm. and very watchable. Uh, the the reactions are all true, 
and to the extent that they're mundane that you know they're like us these people or they're like we might have been if we were born yeah there. i mean that's not necessarily what I, what I go to a film to see but no exactly it does it well <laughs> yeah yeah well i suppose um is there anything else you want to say about um vera I think so. no well let's circle around to the um is this a masterpiece for you roger I think for me to say yes, it has to um, either be amazing at something yeah. or do pretty well on plot and character and acting and production yes. and so on. And it, it does the acting and production jolly well, but yeah. and the character pretty well, but the the, the plot, the pacing um, would mean I'm going to end up saying no. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I don't know if the acting here is any, I, it's phenomenal. I, I don't know if that's any better than Mike Lee's other films. And certainly I'd be interested in watching his other films, and hmm. ideally one not set in 50s Britain. <laughs> They're usually set <laughs> in 70s or 80s Britain, which is, I don't know, marginally less depressing. At least I grew up then. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think that there isn't a lot of nuance, uh, in the abortion, um, which you, know, you don't necessarily have to have, but I would prefer it personally. A bit more of a nuanced take on it. Um, and the story itself, you you know, because it's a character story, you know you're not really going to be narratively satisfied because the story's just going to end at some arbitrary point uh, and these lives will carry on. And that's indeed what happened. Um, uh, and so I kind of knew that was going to happen. And so I felt unsatisfied narratively, yeah, uh, it's, but, it's a chapter break rather than a conclusion. Yeah, and I'm not, I wouldn't be particularly interested in seeing Vera Drake too. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh god. I'm now just, she's uh, got a machine nope. gun. <laughs> just say, <laughs> I don't want to think about the taglines there, but you beat me to it. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, uh, a noble effort, brilliantly acted. I suspect some of Mike Lee's other stuff it would be a masterpiece, but here, uh, a bit too heavy-handed for me, and a bit too uh, uneventful, uh, or, or at least no surprises really happen in the whole film. Um, mm. And yeah, just just uh, and has it been widely imitated? Well, not really by anyone other than Mike Lee himself. I don't know. I don't know. You've not really seen a lot. Maybe Call the Midwife, but I don't think that was influenced in any way by this. Uh, th- this does seem to have given his career a big boost in the States, and before then he'd mostly been uh, working in the UK, uh, you know, a lot of stuff for BBC, ITV and so on. Yes, okay. Well, I And, and, well, and th- this, this did pretty well, uh, though he hasn't made all that many films since, but yeah, they, well, they've, they've well had deserved. bigger budgets. I think he's a, a really interesting director, and he's clearly really interested in people, mm. which not all the directors we have looked at have been. And I, I think there's definitely a lot of room for Mike Lee in, in directors that I like and would watch. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a very good film, but I also agree it falls short, for me, of being a, a, a masterpiece. Well, there we are. That would be, that draws us to the end of 2004. Mm. So we shall return, uh, uh, relatively shortly with some 2005 films. I don't expect we have any funny quotes to end off here at Drake. So. Get your knickers off, dear. 
<laughs> That'll do. That'll do.